Support for Podcast by Night is provided by Midnight Syndicate. To learn more, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. Welcome, everybody, back to Podcast by Night. As promised, this is the long-awaited Gangrel episode. My name's John. I'm Jen. And with us tonight, we have a special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Ari. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ari. Well, well, welcome, Ari. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Now, you said, just so everybody you know knows where you're coming from, that Gangrel is actually one of your favorite clans. They are absolutely one of my favorite clans. I think they're just a lot of fun. All right. Well, I, I happen to agree with you. I, I love a good nomad as much as the next person. So now now that everybody knows what we're going to be talking about, uh, I just wanted to take a shout you know moment to shout out to all the people that listen to us out there and in the interwebs. Uh, Jen, I've actually gotten some emails for people asking advice. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. They're asking I know, us for advice? What? I know somebody out there must think we know something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but that means it's working. So we'll just keep going with it. And if you have emailed us or gotten a hold of us, don't worry. We do have your information. Uh, we may actually even do a podcast where we do just some Q&A in the future. That would be awesome. I would love a good Q&A. Everybody loves a good Q&A episode. Somebody have a cat? Dude, but he's on the outside of the room. So he thinks. <laughs> you know what? It's a gangrel. It is a gangrel. I bet you it's anything. A gangrel, gangrel kitty. It's a gangrel. He's trying to bust in. Bust in on That's the right. podcast. That's right. I'm just like, I left you outside for a reason. He's keeping the masquerade. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. He's warning me. That's right. They're coming. They're coming for you. All right. So why don't we get started with the clan gangrel? So, yeah. The Gangrel are, they're misfits, they're wanderers, they are storytellers, they're survivalists, they are, one of the clans are little understood by the rest of the Camarilla, and to be honest, the Gangrel kind of prefer it that way. They're a very wild, unpredictable clan, they are more in tune with nature, with their bestial selves, and they prefer to haunt the edges of civilization. They've always been much more keen on hanging out in the wilds, just on the borders of where cities are. And while most vampires prefer to stay where the humans are in large numbers, the Gangrel have always loved being on those edges where the there might be barbarians or other things going bump in the night. They are a reminder to the rest of the so-called civilized kindred just what they too can become and consequently they're one of the most changeable and mutable of the vampire clans it also means they're kind of the one that the camry as a whole tends to look down on a little bit those snobs they are snobs they, they don't like those barbarians knocking at the door 
Yeah, but the gang, you know, if the gang girl's knocking at your door, they they just want, you know, to come in out of the cold. That's all. It's like putting the cat out. They're like, no, they want to come back in. Like the, the Flintstones cartoon. When he puts the cat out, the cat jumps back through and says, no, you get out. And then it wants to go, uh, go in and then go out. But then it can't decide in <laughs> or out. That does, you know what? That does sound like a gangrel. It sounds very much like a gangrel. <laughs> That's right. They want to play ball. Nah, now they want to. Now they want to hit the road. Now they came back. Now, now, now they want to go on a walkabout again. Yeah, it, it can get very confusing. It, is that they they always just wanted to view their options first, so they're willing to take a tour and then really make a de- informed decision before they make a decision, and then maybe they'll regret it. And then they'll <laughs> maybe at least kind of saw them. And then they'll maybe leave again. And maybe they'll leave again. Who knows? You know, like, what's commitment? You know, really. <laughs> I see why this is your favorite clan, Ari. <laughs> so what you're saying is, Ari, is that it's not so much, like, commitment issues. It's just they're, they're free spirits. They want to keep their options open. You know, and I, yeah, that's that's what it's always been about is... You know, why do I need to, you know, choose one thing when I could just do my own path? And, you know, there you go. You know what? And and guess what? We I believe we are going to touch on that because of those free spirits that a lot of the Camarilla, you know, you say they look down on them. Jen, you, you, you know, that the like the venture with the snooty, oh, phew, those those barbarians when actually they might be a little jealous Maybe, maybe they're a little jelly. They're a little jelly that those those gang girls can go and do whatever they want, fancy free, right. no ties to no princedoms and elders. They can just roam the world and, you know, live as hobos. That's, <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, that that just goes back to the the heart, the nature of the gang girl as being an outsider. You know, they can trace their roots back to the wanderers and the nomads of, of, of human civilization. Yeah, the gangrel have never quite conformed to civilization in a larger sense or vampiric society uh, as a whole. They've just not liked to fit in. They're a very uh, disparate, you know, kind of clan. They are changeable both as individuals and a clan. I mean, not just in terms of their allegiances or in terms of who they're siding with. Like, physically, they're a changeable clan. And because they are nomads and wanderers and they do like to tell stories and no two gangrel ever tell the same story, the origins of clan gangrel are a little murky. Um... So unlike some clans who are like, this is our clan and this is our founder and this is where we come from and these are our roots, the Gangrel don't have any of that. Their origin stories, their sense of purpose, their identity, it's all a very changeable kind of situation. There's a bunch of myths that tell where they came from. They're all rooted in folk tales of various different peoples. Um... And sometimes those folk tales get mushed together and, you know, various tribes and peoples. Um, truth be told, we don't know, we don't really know what the gang girls see their origin story as. Because as long as the story you're telling is an entertaining story, then no one particularly cares where you came from or how you got there. The gang girls just simply know that these are the stories that they that have been passed around and that they all, all these stories say the same thing. 
that the gangrel, no matter what, no matter where they came from, they are survivors. No matter what happens, the gangrel will all, always persevere. Come the end times, it's going to be the gangrel went, standing on the top of the mountain. They are survivors. Right. I, I love that part about the, the folk tales, you know, like how you say a lot of the other clans like to be all hoity-toity with, you know, oh, our antediluvian is all blah, 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 and they're sleeping here, and isn't that fancy? But they're, you know, they're throughout human history, fairy tales, folk tales, legends have always spoke about, like, the wild people, the people of the forest, and, 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 and every kind of culture, they have stories like this. And I love that it's, and they're never the same, but they do all have similar themes. And I love that the gangrel sort of follow that tradition. Exactly. I also think that part of the, the reason why they don't put much stock in, in a single story as their origin is because of, you know, who who's going to remember a story that's accurate or a story well told. And as like story collectors as they are, and it being an oral tradition, um, one of those things is always going to be, I remember the story kind of like this. If they didn't witness it themselves, it's going to change a little bit. And that's just how oral histories end, you know, or just continue reincarnating in these other ways. But just like any good story, it's the moral of the story that's most important. Right. That's a great point. The idea that like you said, you know, from history class, you don't remember exactly the dates and times of when this thing happened, but you remember the story of how it happened. That's pretty good. I like that. And I think it's kind of important to show how the gangrel, they lay a higher importance on an oral tradition, whereas maybe the Ventru or the Toreador, they're much more into a, a written tradition. Um, those are clans who will, like, have books and books and books of here you know, this, this sire begat this chill, who begat that chill, and all, so on and so forth. But the gang girl don't have that. It, like Ari said, it's much more about the moral lessons or the, or even the survival lessons they're teaching in those stories. They're, these are stories being told because they're trying to impart information in a way that is going to be remembered. And the oral tradition is the oldest one amongst humans and is still very common among those those peoples the game girl like to hang out with and just like all the other major clans unlike them rather the major clans the game girl had little to nothing to do with human society or civilization they sort of eschewed the the firelight if you will for the the wilderness the dark places of the forests yeah they let the other clans meddle in all the human stuff the Gangrel much more preferred hanging out with the barbarians that were just on the edges of empire, edges of civilization. Uh, my ancestors, yay, yay, barbarians! So you could, so you could see the gangrel um, being as far out as the British Isles to the west and the steppes of Russia to the east. And they were down with the, the Bedouin tribes in the courts of the Ashira. Wherever there's open space or freedom to wander, that's usually where you'll find the gangrel. Scandinavia was a big place for the gangrel to, to gather. They really thrived in those cold northern countries where it gets dark for long periods of time in, the, in you know, six months out of the year. Because 
they these were not places where civilization moved very fast and they created their own cultures there and drew off the fierceness of the people who actually did live there and were able to use that as a point where they could go raid on the cities that the other more civilized vampires were starting to build up in the south and that's kind of well, that was kind of the gangrel mo for a very long time right absolutely every time civilization slowly crept into their wild places the gangrel would just take to wandering they would just they had the ability to pick up and just travel the earth well yeah and and on top of that uh because of their wildness uh they developed their skill sets and i you know that's they because of their disciplines and and protein specifically they could do whatever that was that 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 discipline specifically allowed them to always survive in no matter what kind of you know climate and civilization so just allowed them a freedom it bought them their freedom and it continues to give it to them but i think we'll talk about that specifically a little bit later but you're right it did buy them their that, that mutability that is clan gangrel did buy them their freedom uh and allowed them to roam much further and farther and longer than most of the other vampire clans could because they were so tied to the idea of the city civilization without civilization you ain't got no food but unfortunately unfortunately for the gang girl civilization just spread and it kept spreading and the gangrel, while they took to wandering to find all the the wilderness areas that they could go go and hide at, they really kind of hit a wall when the Inquisition rose, because the gangrel were so wild and so different and so out there, they were like a moving target for the Inquisition, and their wild nature just meant that the Inquisition was going to hit them first right yeah absolutely the idea of you know the people that were not of civilized society must be of you know pa- must be pagans they're they're out there living in the wilds and you're right i mean it's a target on the back they're they're an easy pickings it's like oh you, you've heard legends of a man that could turn into a wolf in the woods let's go route him out yeah and particularly because the gang girl are very close to their beast so even if they aren't a wolf or a bat they often will have things about them physically that mark them as being weird and bestial maybe they have pointy ears or prominent fangs or eyes that glow in the dark or they have a tail or there's something about them that's going to mark them as being bestial and that's obvious it's an obvious mark and the inquisition was going to be able to go look at that and say look look that's a physical example of what we're trying to fight unlike most of the other clans who can look human the gangrel couldn't if they weren't careful and so the inquisition started just being picking them off it's really easy to look at this and think of how the gangrel possibly could have given rise to a lot of the fairy tales in the world of darkness i mean let alone let's just forget about that there are actual fairies 
you know, just just by stories by a campfire or, a, you know, the hearth in some home, you know, somebody with pointed ears wandering into town is going to be really weird. And you're and even if you don't talk to the guy, he just passes through. They're going to create stories about this individual. In ages past, you could get away with that sort of thing. Uh, but unfortunately, now humans were starting to fight back. I mean, it's not just the Inquisition. It's just about everybody else. They're like, oh, there's that there's that weird monster that hangs on the edges of the village, lives out in the forest, and picks off the little kids. Let's go get him. And suddenly, right, angry mob and pitchfork. It's, it's the scene out of Beauty and the Beast. You know, kill the Absolutely. beast. Absolutely. You know, and for the gangrel, this is what puts, this is the rock in the hard place that they're facing. Because while they have a lot, for a long time, had shunned vampiric civilization and vampiric society, they need they they're being hunted down and they need protection. Right, and then that brings them into contact with who? The Camarilla. That's right, the good old umbrella of love and friendship. That warm, warm embrace of the ivory tower. Oh yes, come into my cold arms, and and we'll take care of you. I just wish you guys could see how hard my eyes are rolling. <laughs> because this is this is my idea when the Inquisition hit, and and what probably a lot of um, Gangrel at that time were thinking when they were um, because of how they practiced creation. A lot of them were just. I, I would imagine the sires were just like, well, I hope you make it because if you make it, you're going to be a strong one. And just kind of like um, by being seduced by the ivory tower, and it just kind of created this like nerf effect. I could kind of see during those dark ages where it's just kind of like, oh, well, you survived your first year while, you know, we had joined this, you know, treaty of thorns and I could just. I, if, you know, if I was playing a Dark Ages game, I know I would just be tearing somebody apart there and just being like, well, I survived it. I, you know, developed myself. I have the skill sets to survive. But that's just me giving some shade. <laughs> it's all very gangrel of you. Just saying, I could do it. I Why bet you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, with this, you know, but like you said, it's, you know, well, I can do it. Why can't you? There. See, it seems like there was a, a distrust and, and, a, and a tenuous truce at best between the Camarilla and the Gangrel. It was it was definitely a marriage of convenience. It was, you know, the Gangrel were like, hey, we need somebody to watch our backs. The Camarilla were like, well, we need to organize all the vampires, so... And the Gangrel had a lot to bring to the table for the Camarilla. Don't, be, don't get that wrong, because while they may look down on the gangrel as being mongrels and savages the gangrel had a lot of skill sets that camria could use they were skilled because they always lived on the edges they were skilled as trackers they were amazing warriors they were great at guarding the borders they're the people you wanted on the edges of society because they're the ones who are going to make sure that the people you don't want in society don't get in this created a relationship between the Gangrel and the other clans, for the most part, that worked fairly well, give or take. I mean, it was still tenuous, but it was it was a working relationship, at least till the modern nights. And then it wasn't working so much anymore. 
That's right. It, in the modern night, somehow this nervous relationship between the gangrel and the ivory tower of the Camarilla just seemed to keep getting pulled just a little bit tauter and just a little bit more. Yeah. That tension just kept building up. As civilization continued to grow and encroach into the wild places, the gangrel were like, hey, wait a minute. That's my forest or that's my park. Yeah. And, you know, they're the ones feeling the brunt of that loss. I mean, right. At the, and we see it just in, in the last 100 years. Like, cities have been growing and growing and growing. Like, Los Angeles is a prime example because where we started with a few, like, towns all in close proximity to each other, it's now a mega city that is clear up to the mountains, around the mountains, over to the next county, and then that county, and then that county. And so all these wild places that the gangrel would have been like, this is my territory, suddenly get turned into the San Fernando Valley, and there's houses there. And so they're the ones feeling the loss. Well, it's it's also that, but also they're not the only ones in the forest. Yep. They they share that forest, and I use that term very loosely, with werewolves. Yes. They're the ones who have to put up with the werewolves who are pissed as hell about this. Like, the gang girl are pretty upset about the shrinking wilderness, but not as angry as a werewolf is on, a, on an everyday level. Get a werewolf talking about how tiny the wilderness has gotten and it's not a pretty sight yeah right and then when with that so you've got you know their nature on one end you know who they are as a clan as a as a group as as the gangrel themselves and then on the other hand you've got their membership in the camarilla with the politicking and they keep saying hey guys why aren't you helping us out with this stuff you know you mr ventru you keep you know, chopping down our trees to build your damn office buildings. Like, how about some respect? Because we're the ones putting our lives on the line every night when, this, you know, we patrol the borders. We, you know, keep the sabbat off from your doorsteps. Yeah, they're the ones who are the front line usually when, you know, shit's coming down the pike. The sabbat are coming in. The anarchs are raising hell. You know, whatever the case, I, they're the ones who are the first line of defense and i would be a little pissed off if i'm the one sticking my neck out and nobody's giving me any respect and they're still taking my territory away from me like what the fuck so with all of this there was one thing that finally the straw it broke the camel's back and it came in the form of a gangrel elder named xavier yes yeah what happened there jen well, no one really knows for sure. All we know is that this elder, Xavier, he went out to Eastern Europe and he came back. And something spooked the crap out of him. And he went to the inner circle of the Camarilla in Venice. And no one really knows what he said to them. I mean, they don't know what the situation was. All they know is that he walked in, he said one sentence. And then he left. But when he left, he took the entirety of Clan Gangrel with him. And so the tenuous relationship between the Camarilla and the Gangrel finally broke. And the Gangrel just removed themselves from the Camarilla. And for the most part, for a lot of the last 20 years, most of the Gangrel have existed outside the Camarilla. There are, have been some who've stayed. 
Um, some of them didn't wish to leave, even when their brothers and sisters left. They just decided to stay. Others there uh, stayed because they actually have political cachet. There's at least one notable gangrel prince in Milwaukee that was documented in the classic World of Darkness. But a lot left, and they um, and they didn't look back. You know, they weren't sad to go. They didn't particularly align themselves with anyone. They just returned to being their wanderer selves. Right, and I'm sure that that did, you know, caused both the Camarilla and the Sabbat at the time, and possibly the Anarchs, a little bit of, uh, made them a little nervous because, well, wait a minute, here's this great clan of the Gangrel saying, no, no, we're not going to align ourselves with anybody, we're independent, and, and they're like, oh, okay, well, what's, what's going now? And, you know, what was it, I- ironically, the place within the Camarilla for all that martial void that was left when they left is having to be filled by other newcomers that have the same sort of tenuous relationship with the Camarilla, you know, you know, as in the form of the Asimites. So it's like, well, well, heck, what do we, what do we do? Yeah. The Asimites came in just as the gangrel left. And by the by, they had a few people who were pretty skilled at some of the same things that the gangrel were able to do. So, but this is where it, the, at this point is where things get a little murky, at least in White Wolf canon, because we have BNS by Night Studios and what they put out in their LARP book. But we also have V5, who has some other changes and additions that have, have gone on. So I want to make very clear at this point, right now, everything that we were discussing in terms of Clan Gangrel is mostly based off of the BNS canon. Now, when we're all when it's all said and done, like we said in our, our like little mini mini sode, we will be discussing some of the changes that V5 is bringing into into play. But for right now, according to By Night Studios, the gang girl eventually they wander for about 20 years doing their thing and eventually then they came back. Xavier called everyone back again and said that there was something out there that spooked him. He was spook- he was spookified. Now this part this part really makes me grin because in the, in the history of the Gangrel, um, I don't know why Jin, Ari, I don't know why, but for some reason they didn't like the Tremere. I don't know why that is. I don't know why either, but for some reason the Tremere played an integral part in helping them come back in yeah which really makes me wonder exactly what it was xavier found out and why he went to the tremere for help i don't know it's all weird it is it's mysterious and that's why i love it yeah gangrel and tremere have classically not gotten along um and there's a lot of reasons which we will cover when we do get to tremere a lot of it involves wars a thousand years ago that neither side has forgotten um, and may or may not invar- involve gargoyles. <laughs> the the Gangrel and Tremere never classically got along and then all of a sudden Xavier's like, the Tremere got it right. We don't know what it is about. We have no idea. They're, they're convinced that the Tremere are the, like on the up and up and they know something, and and suddenly now everybody's buddy buddy, and it's not very clear why. It's I I'm just very confused as who did get along with Tremere. 
ever. No one. <laughs> exactly. So so to 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 sit there and say she was like, eh. yeah. You know, I'm sure there, there was a lot of faults. Yeah, <laughs> there had to be some Toreador that got along. You know, I, my best guess, and this is just me shooting in the dark, is the fact that they're at at their hearts, the Gangrel and the Tremere are actually not completely dissimilar, and that these are clans that are all about survival, and they both have survivalist mentalities. So perhaps whatever Xavier found, whatever spookified him, he. He recognized that the Tremere are also being survivalists. We're probably the only other clan who would get it. But we don't know what that is. Now, although that the Gangrel are back, the Ivory Tower said, okay, you guys can come back in to the end of the fold. The Ventru and the Toreador, who never gave them much respect to begin with, were still hesitant to accept them back into their territories. So, you know, because, I mean, I don't know. They probably thought, well, here, they're going to either take our resources now, we got another mouth to feed, or they're going to come in, do their thing, and then leave again. So a lot of distrust. Yeah. Are they in or are they out? Are they in or are they out? They're like fucking cats. You know, they stand there at the door like, maybe I'll go out or maybe I won't. See, there we go again. The cat's a gang roll. I know. But, yeah, there is this deep sense amongst the Camarilla that the gang roll can't be trusted. And certainly, given the number of Gangrel who still remain independent, the the feeling's kind of mutual. <laughs> you know, the Gangrel were not rushing in droves to come running back to the loving arms of the Camarilla. Um, and the Camarilla wasn't rushing to come bring them back into the folds. So there's a lot of suspicion, there's a lot of fear, and there's this, there's this kind of feeling like, well, the Gangrel, if we let them in, they could be the back door to our enemies which that doesn't sound like politically relevant in this day and age or anything no 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 they're they're, they're not the kindred version of, of being hacked you know we i mean we hear that same thing on uh the news all the time right now in regards to some of the more political arguments going on and that's the same idea the camaria has about the gang girl like you left, now you want to come back in, and we don't know who you've aligned with, we don't know where you've been, we don't know wh- what enemies you could have been, you could allow through the back door to possibly attack us. Right, and there are a number of Gangrel who stayed independent. There are some that never left the Anarchs, and then there are even some still in the Sabbat. And there are some who are Tarkus. They just don't choose to hang with anybody. The Gangrel who did come back to the Camarilla or who stayed in the Camarilla and never left, they kind of just have been stoic about it. They've just kind of put up with everyone's opinion. I mean, seriously, these are, they have millennia of experience dealing with this kind of, these kind of slights and insults and the so-called high clans that uh, look down on them and you know, they, but they know that when the chips are down and the kindreds, kindred need protecting, that they're the ones who know what's lurking in the darkness and they're the ones who can protect against it. And they're the ones who can stand there. So, frankly, they don't really care whether the high clans, you know, look down on them because they're the ones who know what's, they know what's up. Right. And whatever it is that Xavier saw, foresaw, whatever's in the future whatever's in the cards for the the clan only time will tell all right well why don't we dive a little into their culture 
they're not a particularly organized clan um and they like it that way i mean you'll see some of the other clans are stupid highly organized and the gengar are not one of those clans they don't usually tend to give a lot of weight to the same things that other vampire clans care about so trappings of rank and status and you know who you owe and this that and the other that's not as big of a concern with them as it would be say with a tremere or a ventru the status within the clan itself is com- you know, well not completely different but it is more ritualized it's a little bit more tribal you've actually you actually have rights by combat two warriors face off against one another to see who can come out on top who's mo- who's the strongest who's the most capable and you have to do it without weapons the gangrel actually have this sort of disdain for weapons because they feel they are the weapon i always look at the so the gangrel practice is a kind of status within the clan in terms of rights and i always kind of look at it like you know, you have your your trial by combat, which is, you know, two guys, or, you know, it doesn't have to be guys. Remember, we this is an equal opportunity clan, but you have two gangrel fighting off against each other. Like, so I heard that uh, you're the best uh, fighter in, in, you know, Chicago, and I'm going to come in here, try to take you on. Let's see what you're made of. And... Yeah, they don't tend to fight with weapons because they fight with the weapons that vampirism gave them. And whoever comes up out on top, they get they get dibs. They get uh they get uh the right to gloat about this. It it's uh my my Midwestern upbringing understands this type of communication between people very well because it's sort of like so you think you're the big badass in town huh let's go show me what you're made of well and that that's another thing that they do the the boasting rights that they have this kind of goes back to their tales of being explorers storytellers wanderers it's like who can say you know you know who can tell the biggest feat or you know feat of strength or daring who's got the biggest whopper Who's got the biggest whopper? Yeah, it's you know, it's it's the it's the pissing contest, but but also it's it's kind of like who can tell the best story, wrapped up in a boast, or a boast wrapped up in a story rather. It's like it, it's like Tormund in Game of Thrones with a story about fucking a bear, you know, and the, until someone calls bullshit on that, you know, he's he's gonna run with it. So, and that's what the the boasting right is. It's you tell bigger and bigger whoppers. You tell big fish stories, and you know until someone calls bullshit on it, and then asks for proof. And if you can't provide the proof, then you lose status in the eyes of everyone because they're like, "Oh my God, you're such a bullshitter." But if if you provide the proof, uh, then the challenger is like, you know. That's what you get for being an asshole who doubts. It, it, it's like, it's a giant dick measuring contest is what it is, you know? Or we should say genital measuring because we want to keep it equal opportunity. But yeah, that's, that's what right, it is. That's right. It the is equal opportunity. Equal opportunity here. It is, it is the show. It's showing off. And, and it's a very unique gangrel thing because the other clans, this is not how they they rank themselves. No, and and it's one of those things where um, even in the books, it says specifically, like, you know if you are someone who is to be speaking and listened to, or if you are someone who is to be listened 
And I think that um, it's very important for that structure because of how, again, they embrace. It's so unique amongst um, the, the kindred that it has to be that way. But at the same time, you get to see like what you can aspire to. Yeah. So it's kind of like an example. Yeah. That's true. That's true. It's one thing that the Gangrel are a clan that pr- primarily learns by experience. Yeah. And you do bring up a great point, Ari, in that it, you're right. There is, this isn't just about like who can prove oneself better than another. It is, there are those who are leaders and who have proven themselves leaders. And there are those who are wise and have proven themselves that way. So that's why they should be listened to because they obviously have information that can be passed down to the others and until someone can prove otherwise. Now, with the gangrel being wanderers, they tend to not like to get together in large groups, but there are times when they do come together, and when they do, they're usually for specific reasons. Yes. So there is this concept called the gather, and this is when you usually just call together all the gangrel who are in a particular spot. And often they gather in in the wild, so it could be like a park, or they outskirts of town, or like here in LA, we have these mountains and national forests like right on the edges of the city, so you could go hang out there. And what the whole purpose of the gather is is you're swapping information, you're sharing gossip and stories, and if there's any clan business, that's usually where it gets taken care of. So this is kind of a way for them all to get to get to get all the the members of the blood to get together and handle business. Uh, rights are done during a gather. Hi- hierarchy is established at a gather, um, and sometimes it can last you know many nights. You know, it can last several nights depending on how many rights they're doing and how many people there are and how much business has to be handled. Uh, every so often, however, there is this thing called the Great Gather, and that's a bigger deal. Like, gathers are usually smaller groups and more local gangrel. But if there's a big enough deal, if there's a big enough event, um, say an extremely powerful gangrel comes into the area, or there's big news, say Xavier has decided to leave the sect again, um then they will have these great gathers where where they will get together as many gangrel as possible uh, in one area. And this is often just to discuss clan business at large. And usually this is pretty serious. If you're getting that many gangrel together in one spot, I mean, first of all, they don't usually like to be all together in one spot. It's That's dangerous. So it has to be a big deal for them to get together in one area and it usually has to be something that they all need to know about. Right. Usually the, the, the greater gathers are um, hosted by one person. So definitely Xavier has enough pull that he could summon a great gather. However, I also would see that like a lot of his political rivals that are in Game Girl also kind of showing up. And then that would be like the Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday, you know, of like Game Girl. Because I would love to, like, read about that in canon a little bit. Because 
he's he made a bunch of big yeah, waves, especially speaking for Clan Gangrel and not discussing it with any of the other higher like ranking Gangrels to just be like we're out. That was a pretty yeah, big that's... deal, and there was no gather talked about that. So that was something that kind of was like there. There's there's a like Gangrel likes to play fast and loose, but that might have been off the rail for even a little then. too fast, a little too loose. Yeah, I would love to see a great gather where I could have nachos. Just watch that go that shit go down. That'd be amazing. What do you think the ghouls do? I mean, they just kind of like, hey, yeah, sit back. You're going to want to get some popcorn. That's if the gang girl have ghouls, John. <laughs> hey, I thought everybody had ghouls. Well, it's like they don't always ghoul humans, but we'll get into that later. So the other big thing for the gang girl is they have what is called the revel. And the revel is the big call to battle for all the local gang girl. And it's usually in conjunction with some hunting party the Camarilla is doing. Not always, but usually. So the gang girl could call a revel amongst themselves to hunt down someone who's wanted by the prince. And the prince has called for justice on them. So they can get a group of themselves together and go hunt down whoever the prince wants hunted down. Or they can get a rebel together to hunt down a group of outsiders who have been threatening the domain or threatening their territory. Or um, perhaps there's someone who's wronged the clan and fuck that guy. We need to go fuck his shit up. So they'll call a rebel to go, you know, fight that guy. Or, you know, maybe there's a lupine that has crossed their path somewhere. That's what rebels are for. They're hunting parties. And... Every so often, they will call a grand revel, and just like a grand, just like the great gathers, a grand revel is usually a big fucking deal, and that's when the entire clan is called to war. The entire clan is called to war, and they're called to war against a common enemy. Can you imagine this? This would be fucking amazing, because in the modern nights, this is super rare, but in the Middle Ages... This shit was happening a lot, and it was not unheard of for Clan Gangrel to go to war against many supernaturals, lupines, vampires. You know, this is part of the history between the Tremere and the Gangrel, is the fact that they were at war with each other when the Tremere were still mages. I mean, can you imagine all of Clan Gangrel declaring war on you? That would be so I would just die. I'd be like, just kill me now. I'd be scared shitless. Well, yeah, especially in those, like, especially in the Dark Ages, where you didn't have tra fast transportation, where you didn't have fast communication, you didn't have uh, the ability to go out there and see the field before you. Gang girl can. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can just transform into bats, just a swarm of bats. Are you going to really, like, look at those bats and go, hmm, that's like 300 gangrel coming at me. Nuh-uh. You're not going to think that. It's just bats in the night sky. Yeah. You did not want to mess with gangrel, you know, during those dark ages. The werewolves part, the lupines, that, that you know, it's kind of like, I'd say that's kind of toe-to-toe, -to -toe, but I would love to see, like, the mage, like, like that Tremere and the gangrel war would be incredible. It's like you've got these hoity-toity mages that think that oh my magic can solve anything and you've got these cunning ass gangrel that are like oh yeah fireball this yeah 
And when we get into Clan Tremere, we'll tell a lot more about this history because it was nasty. It was nasty. Um, and I would not want to. I would not want to be on the other side of a Grand Rebel. That would be bad news. Absolutely. But even then, uh, we could talk about like other gang girl that had like the really big, enormous um, rebels. Where we have um, Dabrul the Brave, the founder of the Anda, the bloodline of the Gangrel, that were just like part of the you know Hun army, the Mongol army that just came across and just destroyed Europe. That's still one of the most epic things about you know Gangrel history. Yeah, the Gangrel. If there was barbarians who were riding, the Gangrel were with them, and they they rode with the Huns, they rode with the Mongols, and they were just destroying shit up. That I mean, this is this is why you don't piss off the Gangrel, I, I, and I think that's very hard for the Camarilla sometimes to remember because they're so busy looking down on the Gangrel. You know, they're they're that those weird outliers. They're this clan that just hangs on the edges and. Really, what harm can they be? You piss them off bad enough, you can find out just how terrifying the Gangrel can be. Right, and this that both of those, the Grand Gather, Grand Rebel, even just a regular Gather and Rebel, it's something that if you don't know, like if you are one of those hoity-toity clans and you look down on them and you don't take the time to get to know their their customs, if you will, you could be pretty much on the receiving end of some of that wrath because when they do gather, because they don't get together often, but when they do, it's not always a good thing. It, in fact, it's majority of the time it's not a good thing because gang gangrel are happiest when they don't get to see people very often. Yeah, these these aren't Apple events where it like ooh, we're all getting together and revealing. The new toy. No, no, this is this is not a good thing. Right. When a you know the wise prince would remember that if there are a lot of gang girl gathering within their city, be very worried. Yeah. Uh, if if you see the gang girl amassing on the horizon, you you better batten down the hatches. Absolutely. Shit's gonna get real. <laughs> Well, just like as we discussed, the clan has a very loose structure, and they're not very formal as a clan. They are also very laissez-faire when it comes to embracing Childer. In fact, this goes right back to what what Ari, I think you mentioned that uh, it's it's just all about survival. I mean, we we've all mentioned it, but you know what I mean. So what I absolutely love about their embrace tactics is that it just it's brilliance, honestly, um, because it instills everything that the clan has always been about and it does it in such a instinctual way most vampires in in this genre you are groomed there is some idea of who you are and the gang girl just kind of go that guy looks pretty strong hmm i wonder how he would do with this problem of vampirism so let's embrace him dump him off in the middle of nowhere and see if he can survive one winter without me. It, at their heart, the Gangrel are survivalists. That's who and what they are. So they want to embrace people who can prove they too can survive. Right. It strengthens the clan. Yeah. It, it, it strengthens the clan as a whole. 
And, um, you know, it's always a gamble because you can embrace a person thinking, yeah, this person's going to be great. They're, th- this is the type of survivalist we need. If they can't survive a winter on their own without you, then they're not strengthening the clan. And if they get killed, well, they were weak. That's right. I mean, it, it could be anybody that they're looking for, from from the survivalist to the naturalist to a an outdoors person, campers, hikers, environmental, you know, justice warriors, any, anybody that shows grit and cunning to fight to stay alive or fight for the wilderness, things that they that the gangrel respect. Yeah, and often they'll scope out someone for a little bit. It, they will uh, kind of watch and see, you know, hmm, is that person, is that person worthwhile? And they, if they, uh, if they are interested in them, they will hunt them down. And if they are fighting, like if the gang girl are hunting you down and you're fighting that, then they're like, oh yeah, you're getting embraced. You know, because they want fighters. They want survivors. They want people who aren't going to just lay down flat on their back and just take it. Absolutely. The the idea of someone who wants to fight to to live means that they could probably endure, you know, immortality as well. Because I feel that the gangrel are one of the more... Lo- if you can survive all the uh, loneliness... Because that's one of the things is that Gangrel love to be alone. And that's also a vital thing. Will you fight to survive, you know, um, from, you know, the world damage, but also like the psychological damage, I think. And there is a lot of psychological damage. I mean, I don't think many people think about that, but I mean, just being a vampire is psychologically damaging because you are being just as a vampire, you're being separated from human society but as a gang girl it's even more so because you're being separated from a lot of civilization because what they'll do is they'll embrace you and they'll dump you somewhere and say best of luck so that's a lot of shit to get through mentally to just survive I, I think that's fantastic though for like it also again goes back to their nature it's the idea that can you make it um, survival of the fittest? And in this case, it could be either. I mean, you know, you could just be a really smart gangrel or a fledgling that, ha- you know, happens to know how to do it. You could be just a very strong, like physically strong gangrel fledgling. And what was that? Um, Ari, expand on that a little bit about uh, you said surviving a winter. How does that go down? Well, specifically during the Dark Ages, um, Gangrel would embrace and just kind of leave their their offspring out. And a lot of offspring didn't even make it the first night because they didn't know, hey, sunlight's going to kill me. I didn't seek out shelter. Um, Or that they just fell into the beast and frenzy so hard that they never came out of it to, you know, survive the night. So if you could survive the first night by yourself, and the first week and make it out a year, eventually your sire or someone will fall upon you of the gangrel clan and ask you, you know, how many winters? And if you don't know the answer and you can go maybe one, they will then kind of like adopt you and start teaching you the ways. 
So that was what I always thought was a very, like, kind almost of the gang girl where they would adopt their own strays because this was, this is how the clan does embrace where it's just kind of like, if you can survive a year, you're in and you're a card member, you're a card carrying member at that point. And I always kind of like, I always really loved that part because now the clan is your sire. You don't have a specific one. Maybe you, you do actually get to meet the person who turned you, but you typically don't want, you, you don't like that person anyway. I mean, they, they cursed you and they set you off on your own as a babe in the woods. But now everyone's your, your family. And I was like, I, maybe I romanticize that a little bit, but I just, I've always really enjoyed that part. Well, and I'm sure with time, uh, the gang girl fledgling who makes it would, they might romanticize it in their own memory. Just, you know, part of that story that they can tell about how they came about. Now, with the f most clans, the fledglings are presented to the court, you know, like a coming out sort of thing. What? How does this work in gangrel society? Well, with gangrel, I mean, like Ari said, you have to survive a winter before they'll even take you in. So, um, they're not going to take you to a court till they feel you're ready. And, um, and that's actually not uncommon. Mo most clans will often do that but for the gangrel it's really that's a big deal for them to present um a child to the court because this means that that child has survived that the entire clan has accepted them and so if the sire is interested in bringing them to the court for recognition then they can do it when they're ready um but they're not going to do it before that uh, gang girl has been completely informed on the ways of the Camarilla. Because remember, they've been embraced and dumped and have had to survive for a year and it, or, or for a winter. And once, uh, if they've proven to do that, they, they still don't know anything about the Camarilla. They've just managed to survive and not get killed. So no gang girl's going to bring a new fledgling into a Camarilla court without having explained to them, okay, this is kind of how the the folks that think there are betters run things. Because uh, that would just be foolish. And, and consequently, you will run across those gang girl who are just really well versed on Camarilla etiquette for, for a clan that is looked down upon. Because... They ha someone has to be the lore keeper. Someone has to be the one who's training it, training up the the fledglings or the wandering gang girl who, you know, they never found their sires, but they've managed to survive this long. They have to be the ones who are keeping an eye out on on all those gang girl because that's that's knowledge and that's knowledge that you can use to survive. Right, exactly. The, and those lore keepers, they're the ones that help. Some of the fledglings, you know, how not to piss off the court. Yeah. I mean, e even if that gang girl doesn't stay in the Camarilla, it's the fact that if they're going to go and wander into a, gang a Camarilla city, they're not going in, like, completely unarmed, as it were. Well, also, it it's just a, 
you know, survivability in the wild is one thing. Survivability in a political realm. Some of the gang girls do really well at that as well. Um, again, this this um, gang girl is all about evolution in, in my mind. So a lot of them specialize specifically in the, you know, surviving the outside world, but the political arena, there is going to be some stand-up gang girl as well because the gang girl needed it. So they're going to embrace some that are like that. But I also think that there's a lot of gang girl out there that don't even know that they're gang girl. They've been mistaken as caitiff because they no one's ever been able to identify them as gang girl. So a lot of caitiffs out there that aren't going to be presented to the prince are running around as well. So they're already skidding and hiding and waiting for the scourge to find them one day. Yeah, and you just brought up a, a great point because outside of the Bruja, the Gangrel are perhaps the most, the clan that is the most responsible for unacknowledged caitiff. And, and by caitiff, we mean vampires who just, they don't know what they are. They just know they're vampires. So they, they've never met their sire or they don't remember their sire or their sire didn't say anything. So they don't know what they are. And, um, yeah, the gangrel are, are responsible for many caitiffs. And sometimes it's because the sire just never came back or the sire died or what have you. Maybe the child, like, wandered off. Who knows? There's lots of reasons. Now, with the gangrel's tendency to wander unaccompanied throughout the world in the early days of their embrace, this, this goes to with... Um, what you said earlier, Jen, about them being the most mutable, the most changeable. Uh, have we discussed the, the idea of bloodlines in our other clans? Um, we have, we've discussed bloodlines pretty early on in the podcast, but not with the other clans. Because, frankly, Gangrel are the one clan that has the most bloodlines. So what a bloodline is, is you are kind of like a distaff branch. You're an offshoot from a, a clan major. And... That just means that you have you share some traits with a clan major, but the rest of your traits may be different. Um, and because the gangrel are so mutable, so changeable, they have a lot of different bloodlines because they've had to adapt to a lot of different situations. So consequently, you'll find gangrel who suddenly became that bloodline over there, or this one over there. And there's lots of variants. There's a, There are many different variants of Gangrel. There's at least five known variants of just the main clan. Excuse me. There's five known variants of just the main clan of Gangrel. And then there's five known bloodlines that people know trace back to Gangrel. And there's new ones appearing all the time. Right. Yeah. The, the crazy thing with the Gangrel bloodlines is you have... You know, it's not just about running around in the woods. You got the mariners who see the high seas as their wilderness. And then with the modern times, you've seen the rise of what used to be termed city gangrel or coyotes that see the cities and civilization as their hunting grounds, their wilderness. Exactly. And given the tenuous nature gangrel have with any sort of civilization, they don't particularly tend to be high bound to any particular one culture or blood or discipline like a lot of the other clans. Um, that, and that's very useful to them 
because this mutability allows them to pretty much go anywhere and live through anything. Like you mentioned the, the Mariner uh, gang girl. I mean, these are gang girl who managed to make it on the high seas. You know, um, there are, you know, the city gang girl who see the city as being their, their wilderness. And, uh, and so they treat it as such. So yeah, there's a, and, and there's more than just that. There's a lot of different uh, variations on the gang girl and, and it all comes down to survivability for them. Now, Ari, you brought this up before, uh, in terms of disciplines, the gangrel across the board share one very specific discipline. I think I think they're the only clan that actually has it. That sort of is an outward e expression of of their ever changing nature. It's their ever changing nature, and it's also a lot of their beasts. They're so in tuned with just what is inside of them, and that nagging you will survive you're going to overcome this like the beast is not their saboteur they don't view it as that um and a lot of um and that i think is expressed in protein specifically um and it allows them to survive primordial things in my mind because i could just imagine myself at playing a gangrel who is you know, hunt, hunting the hunter-gatherers, the nomads of early civilization. Um, and it comes down to that their very first power in protein is going to be, you know, eyes of the beast. It allows you to see in the darkness, in near complete pitch blackness. Um, and everything has to do with um, melding in animal, you know, um, traits and putting them into the human mind and body and being able to go out there and use your vampiric power um and this is completely what change which allows gangrel to go out there and forge their own freedom and survival independently of any even humanity as as you know a species they can go out there and go years without talking to a human being. And it has everything to do with their ability with protein. So protein, for um, those of you who uh, don't haven't read up on the discipline, it protein itself means it speaks to the changeability of anything. So protein is a discipline that allows a vampire to shift its form. Um, they can shift from from you know human looking to beast looking to mist looking like mist um and this like you said Ari it, it does tap into that primal nature of the gangrel and allows them to survive in crazy situations absolutely crazy situations um and I've always thought protean much less as a discipline in the strictest sense then as a way of sort of manipulating the quote-unquote magics of vampiric blood. Um, because obviously vampiric blood isn't normal. It, it, there's something about it that keeps a vampire 
in this weird stasis state. Um, and Gangrel have some, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is about Gangrel, they've been able to naturally tap into that. So that allows them to touch the one thing that other vampires fear, and that's their beast. And they're able to touch it in a way that allows them to manipulate themselves. So, because of that, the gangrel, they embrace that part of themselves that most other vampires shun. And that grounding in the knowledge of who they are and what they are allows them that ability to shift as they need and as the situation calls for because they're aware of what they are and they roll with that in whatever situation they find themselves in. Right. Protean is the one thing, like you said, Ari, also that it allows the gangrel to take on any form that can help them survive. And I, I, this always makes me think of, like you said, way back when. It's, it's sort of the idea of the old animus, the, the shaman, the idea that things in nature will protect you. You can draw strength from nature. You're, you're able to meld with the ground so the sun can't hurt you. You can see in the dark like a wolf or big cat. It's just the ultimate survival tool that it, it makes them... The, the, like you said, the ultimate survivalist. It, seem, it seems to be the one constant recurring theme for the entire clan. There's also something else that I always kind of like held as part of the philosophy of what Gangrel represents. And as much as um, I, I view most vampire clans as kind of like what humanity, like the extremes of humanity. And I always felt that Gangrel stepped aside from that in it being much more early human, you know, where it's, we're constantly moving, they're, they're nomadic, they are orally traditional, um, that's how they pass their stories on, and that's how you prove yourself, is through your great acts. And if you can um, do great things and earn respect, you can lead the people. And I feel that this is represented um, throughout every aspect of Clan Gangrel, even including to their weakness now in modern time, where it's kind of like most of most of the clans do are doing much better because of they are able to change in their mentality, whereas Gangrel's kind of stuck in their ways because it's worked for so long. It's only been in the last two hundred years that it's really been difficult for them. And that's where I believe that a lot of that philosophy is with this clan specifically. So that's just personal like feeling about that. Absolutely. Um, and, and however, you know, as wonderful as Protean is in helping with their survival, much like everything else in the world of darkness, it has a dark side that what gives them their ability to survive can also be very dangerous. Yeah, the older they get, um, and the more powerful and advanced they get in Protean, it can be harder and harder to control. And vampires have been known to get stuck in one particular form or the other without the ability to shift out. So you could just get stuck as a wolf or a bat or as mist. And 
Um, sometimes those changes can ha happen randomly without your control. And so this discipline is unique to the Gangrel and all their bloodline who display it. But it's a definitely dangerous one. And here it is one that they can teach outside of the clan. And if you find a Gangrel who's willing to teach it to you, kudos. You as a Bruja can learn Protean. You as a Toreador can learn Protean. But again, it's a very dangerous discipline to learn. And the Gangrel have adapted it in ways that other clans, even in learning it, they're just never going to be as skilled at it as the Gangrel will. I got to say that thinking about the uh, the uh, possibility of random shape-shifting does not appeal to me. You know, no. it's go it, it, It'll be like something bad out of Harry Potter or something, you know? You just yeah. The Animagus that went wrong. The Animagus that went wrong. Just changing shapes all of a sudden. Nah, not my thing. I mean, imagine being stuck as mist and you couldn't change before sunlight and hope to God you can, like, hit the ground. I mean, you, you'd be so screwed. Well, especially since most of the time you have to, like, rely on a breeze. On yeah. Because you move so slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. It, you could just go crazy just, just floating there. That would suck. That would suck. But you can still talk, so you just be like the screaming mist that wants to live. Oh my god, it's the glow cloud. Oh god, that's so cre that's not creepy or anything. Thanks. All hail the glow cloud. <laughs> <laughs> All hail. Okay. So, so, so the gangrel are survivors who like to flirt on the edges of what is to be civilized. What it means to be civilized. So consequently, they aren't as deep into human culture as some other vampires. And the older gangrel tend to be less so. So this can lead to a lot of social problems. Yeah, you'll find a lot of older gangrel. Are, you, you're talking Arya about being set in their ways. Yeah, a lot of older gangrel can be anachronistic. Um, they, can't, they have a hard time grasping modern technologies like cell phones or computers or tablets and even if they do understand them they just may not care they they don't care why why do i have to care about a cell phone when this is the way i've been doing it for the last 400 years and it worked just fine for me so that's right but wep weapons on the other hand tend to be an exception because you know oh stick them at the pointy end okay i get that yeah i mean sure weapons don't change as much but Frankly, if you can find a better way to kill someone, a gangrel's probably going to pick it up. A gun's not that hard to figure out. Also, human influence is not something that they really delve too deeply into, unless it's very specific areas. Yeah, uh, gangrels, it's not that they don't have human influence. Some of them do build human influences. They can build human influences amongst wanderers or nomadic tribes or, you know, uh, homeless people or hobos or a lot of them who, you know, because they are a survivalist mentality, a lot of them tend to have military backgrounds. So you'll see several of them who may be tied into the military or into these black ops groups or even into veterans groups. Um, so uh, 
they'll they'll be tied into like the forestry service or park service because those area those are people who are protecting the areas the gangrel like to be in. So it's not like they aren't tied into humans, but they're not tied in quite the way, say, a Ventura or a Toreador would be, where it's like I'm into all the human business. Usually they're very specific in how they choose their human interactions. Right, and also resources tend to be scarce with the gangrel because money is just sort of another tool. It's not something that they strive to, you know, for unless unless maybe the coyotes, the city gangrel, because they might view that as something they need to survive the uh, urban jungle. See, uh, with the city gangrel, that's a completely different mentality because they are almost exclusively savat, and if they do wander into the, the Camarilla somehow they are they are never trusted by anybody because the city gang girl might use that money and try to lure like a like a hooker to like beat on her or something like that they'll do something devious with money it's just another tool to exact some kind of evil yeah but you know gang girl who who tend to be in the more civilized areas whether they're city gang girl or not um it's all the same money is just a tool for them it's a tool for survival you know whether it's to get the the hooker at the corner so i can feed off of her or whether it's to pay for that that shady flop house that i use that i call my haven because it's a place where i can stay for a night it's 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 all about survival with them it's not about the amassing of influence for influence's sake or for power's sake it's i have influences because i want to survive and i will do whatever it takes to survive and maybe that does require power maybe that does require political influence but at the heart of it all is always survival they're very pragmatic you know they are like even with things (laughs) like herds contacts allies they, they they tend to cultivate things that are very useful to them i'm also noticing a theme of not just survivability, but it tends to be also personal survivability. Yeah, they're not they're not thinking about taking anyone with them. It's very much just it's me. If you can't take care of yourself, what are you doing? Also, those contacts and allies, they tend to be those same people that you would could cultivate those influences with. Ten, you know, ex-military, survivalists, campers, people who tend to be on the fringes of society, they can be quite useful too. Okay. So <laughs> No, no, I'm just laughing because Jen, you you always put these wonderful all caps sort of <laughs> Ah, yes. So I put these all caps in there cuz this is the emphasis I want to pl- place on this. It is so, you know, you we've we've gone through all of this. We've kind of explained to you what's up with Clan Gang Girl. And now you're like, "Oh my god, I've always wanted to pe- play Bear Gorillas, I want to be that survivor who gets out there in the woods with nothing but a knife and a toothpick, and I hope I make it out alive. How do I yeah, play so one of Yeah, so if you've this? always wanted to be uh, Bear Grylls and, and do the knife and MacGyver toothpick trick, uh, that means this clan's probably for you. Yes, this is the clan for those of you who, have, <laughs> who like playing the lone survivors. The MacGyvers, if you will. I liked your MacGyver reference there. I'm like, oh my god, MacGyver would totally, totally a gang be a gangrel. He, you know, he traveled around. <laughs> but um, 
if you're the loner kid who hangs out in the back of the class or the tree hugging like environmentalist or the granola eater who likes to wear too much flannel or the weekend warrior who likes to do their like super light backpack hiking up in the mountains this is the clan for you the gangrel are as diverse as they come they i mean literally they they don't particularly care what you know race creed nationality gender sexuality none of that matters to them the only thing they care about is surviving and continuing so can you survive will you survive that's what matters to a gang girl so they can be rather choosy on who they embrace uh and they're not going to just waste time and effort on just anyone but if you are someone that they feel can make it they will you're the type they will want so they want to bring around uh they want to bring across those who have the gift to thrive um especially in harsh conditions especially on their own especially without guidance you it, for all of you who are loners who don't like people to like handhold you this is the clan for you um they often prefer those who have an ability to make it in any conditions with very little support uh so this can include anyone i mean homeless ex-cops ex-military long-haul trekkers you know survivalists gang members you know a lot of different kinds of people can call themselves gang girl um they do tend to be looked down upon by other so-called high clans for their lack in social graces but i will say that is not always universally true about the gang girl there are many gang girl who are very socially acceptable and who have pleasant manners who are good politically and socially they're not just like you know hairy thugs who have you know no concept of social niceties there's lots of gang girl who are very appropriate sociable polite people beckett is a famous member of clan gang girl who is amongst this group he is one of my absolute favorite characters many people love Beckett um gang girl really at the end of the day they just want to make a place for themselves among the sharks uh, that they have to put up with and if that means they have to clean themselves up and make themselves look nice they will and they can so you don't always just have to be like the mountain man coming down uh in your bear skins with your giant like you know acts into court you can be a very cleaned up prim and proper vampire if you choose to be right and those gangrel that do spend time in camaria courts and they do consider themselves members they often work out a compromise with the with the the muckety mucks of the court to do those things that are on the fringes of the domain they can act as spies they can do patrols bodyguards defending anything that is the domain's interest that say the you know the gangrel and toreador again or the ventru sorry the ventru and the toreador that they kind of you know no, i don't have time for that let the gangrel do it and they find acceptance that way exactly and not this is a note for um any of you out there who are interested in playing gangrel not every city accepts gangrel not every city accepted gangrel back into the fold because the ones that 
because of the ones that left, many princes are still pretty suspicious of them. So those Gangrel who were not lucky enough to be back in a domain, they just often live outside of the domain and hang either with the Anarchs or the Independents or Tarkas or whatever. Mind their own business. And so just as you're thinking about this clan and your characters, just double check with the domain that you're playing with because they may actually not allow Gangrel into the game because this prince has an edict against the Gangrel. That's not to say you can't play a Gangrel. You just have to be sneaky about it. And, but you always, 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 always clear it with your storytelling uh, team, whoever your storyteller is. Absolutely. Uh, now, Ari, oh, before we move on to the fun concepts portion, uh, is there anything else you want to add to the, the culture that you, of the Gangrel that you've uh, observed? I've always really loved the fact that, again, uh, the Gangrel are storytellers at heart. They want to know everything. And Beckett's one of those really famous ones. Like, he goes out there and he wants to find out what the true story is. And that's another part of Gangrel is that they are so passionate about specific things. That's why they, they seek out solitude so hard is because they're on a personal mission half of the time. They want to find something. And for Beckett, it's um, finding out things about Kane. He's a very known um, nautist. And, you know, that's he's not the only scholar out there who's doing all the digging up. Um, and I feel like there's a lot more gangrel out there who are doing something similar where they're trying to escape excavate histories that they've heard about they want to prove stories right or wrong i mean i would love to hear you know someone going out there trying to disprove a story and that's part of their personal plot that'd be great to play i think so gang girl indiana jones that which would be a lot of fun oh like wouldn't that that's right <laughs> up my gang girl archaeologist oh yeah Okay, future game concept. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a gangrel historian, um, someone who goes around collecting the oral histories. You know, um, yeah, it, you can have gangrel scholars. I would love to see more gangrel scholars. That, but that's just my personal bias. Um, so well, it just, I, I really like the idea of a, that that duality of just kind of like here's this rugged person who's going to like go out there and actually bring back the goods. Yeah. And just be like, I did that. What did you do? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I find that very satisfying. That's a great concept. Well, speaking of concept, this is the portion of our clan episodes where we talk about those concepts of to give the play, you know, you, the players sort of an, a few ideas, some th things to mull over to possibly play as a gangrel. Yeah, so we just listed a, a few in our notes. You know, there's the classic one is the outsider survivalist. You know, that this is the oldie but a goodie uh, with the gang girl. This is the person who lives on the edge of society. They got a bowie knife in their, and their wits. That's it. And, you know, for those of you who are like, I just want to dip my toes into clan gang girl. That's, you know, a classic is, is there's nothing wrong with playing the classic. But we have some others, you know, there's always the ex-cop, military spy, someone who's involved in that milieu 
um, who's had some sort of extensive like field ops training. Often they've had extensive weapons training. Um, these, by their nature, they've just been trained to be survivors. Not, yeah, that's not uncommon amongst gangrel. Right. They also tend to be pretty good looking. They do tend to be very good looking if you believe all the movies. That's right. So, um, if you believe all the movies, they they're pretty hot. Um, <laughs> but you know, maybe they're not. I don't know. Whatever you want to whirl with. These are the people who are used to working in rough terrain and fighting the good fight, and this can be attractive to gang girl. You know, th- those are the type they tend to usually look for. Yeah, and we've already mentioned like the weekend warrior. You know, those guys that like to hop on their bike with, you know, their pack and go glamping. I mean, camping. No, glamping <laughs> is what I do. Oh, so, right. Well, you know, you could still be a gangrel. You're, you're scrappy. I, I would be a horrible gangrel. <laughs> I'd be I'd be a Beckett gangrel. That's what I would be. Hey, that's fine. You know, there, it takes all kinds. And you got the wayward camper. Those, you know, that one guy that was like, oh, I'm going to go up on that mountain and pitch a tent. And then he just never came home. Yeah, you know, the, the teenagers who go up in the woods and one of them gets lost and is never seen ever again. Yep. Um, you know, gee, wonder what happened to them, except, you know, 10 years later, they're wandering around the city again, girl. So, um, you know, that's a concept. Environmental scientists. So anybody who has who's doing any like environmental work or even archaeologists, archaeologists can kind of fall into this category, too. Of uh, anyone who's outside doing a lot of work, you you have you know whether you're saving the trees or you're looking for the Ark of the Covenant, it's there's this aspect of survivability and having to deal with tough situations that is very attractive to a gang girl. Right, and then the friend to man or beast alike. Uh, this this would be one of those things like you could see the gang girl mariner being part of Greenpeace. <laughs> well, I mean. These are the people who get along more with with animals oh. than with people. <laughs> so a friend of man and beast alike. You're you you get along with with uh, dogs like nature preserves or yeah, something like the that. Nature I would preserves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like uh, the wild animal um, um, shelters that they have, where they have like the big cat where they these rich millionaires dump their tigers when the tigers get a little too scary for them. Yeah. I could imagine that. Well, you could still have an eco-terrorist gangrel. You could have an eco-terrorist oh, yeah. gangrel. Yeah. That would be a cool concept. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are those who came before, and these are the people who existed uh, in the land before civilization ever came. So maybe you're part of the Mongol hordes, or you're a Viking raider, or you're a Cossack, or you're a Berber of North Africa, or you're a member of the Sioux tribe of the Midwestern Plains, whatever the case, your people were there until civilization showed up. And you are part of that tradition that came before. So you recall a time before there was ever European-style civilization, and you're not necessarily completely comfortable with the Camarilla. And then there's, we've talked about this before with the coyote slash city gangrel, the urban jungle. Yeah, those who, uh, and you don't necessarily have to be a sabat gangrel to be a, a gangrel in the city. You see the city just as sort of another territory you have to survive. Um, it could be you grew up on the mean streets. You 
you are a smart talking half as nails person who's had to deal with all the shit going on all around you like jessica jones style it that you can be a gangrel who survives that way right absolutely and you can also be a traveling rogue. You can be one of those people who just moves from town to town. You shake the dust of the road off your feet. And you're just collecting stories and having adventures. And, you know, after a while, maybe you could move on to another town. Um, you could be that person who just lives into, like, new faces. Or new music. you're a musician who goes to a different club every night. Or, you know... You're just, whatever it is, you're just passing through and you're picking up pieces of culture along the way as you do it. But those are just a few concepts. There's lots of other different variants. Uh, the key, I think, for the gang girl is you have to have the ability to survive, to adapt to change, and not be completely comfortable with civilization as it is. There's also, um, as someone who who's played a lot of the the bloodlines in in um, this clan, I just want to like be the first person to be like telling you that there's no real wrong way to play a gangrel. I think that there's no real rules. There's like just general concept of these are the main ideas behind this clan, and there is no right or wrong because there is that flexibility there. And you already have your opponent. Your opponent is civilization. You have something to... You have your oppressor. And you. how are you going to fight it? And what's even better is that you have to be strong. And if you are not strong, that means you're weak. And you will just fade into the background. So that's what I do enjoy as the challenge for the character concepts with this. One of the character concepts that I've always wanted to play was the revenge child so that you were created not because you were supposed to survive you were created because you were actually made as punishment they wanted to see you die and you survived and that was always one of those concepts that I think is very rare but I feel like if you are a really good player you could just really dive into that and it's such a crazy personal plot that's away from their survivalist portion, but now you're on a revenge path, which is completely divergent from the clan. I don't know. I was just I wanted to throw that out there. It's a great concept. Yeah, thanks. It's a great concept. Definitely. Great and a great point of perspective to have. So Um, so now we get into like my one of my favorite areas, which is pop cultural references, because I I don't know about you guys, but sometimes pop culture gives me lots of reference points for like how to approach a clan, even if it's not exactly the same. So I I know for me with the gang girl, pretty much every action movie ever (laughs) fits for clan gang girl, Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah, even you know, um, Predator, you know. Predator. Oh, Rambo. Alien. Alien. Uh, you know, and, and speaking with like uh, Beckett, Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pre- pretty much any, any action film you know, ever known to me. And then there's Vikings, one of my favorites. Yeah, Vikings is an amazing show. If you haven't watched it, go watch that because, show. Because, you know, Vikings. It's Vikings. Yeah. Um, even my historian self 
doesn't get too upset at the discrepancies there. It, I just it's a good show. If you're like really into like seeing what, um, what how a culture shifts and changes and adapts to civilization, going from being the barbarians on the outside to adapting to the quote unquote civilization, Vikings is a must watch because it really can show you how the Gangrel have kind of evolved with that. And if you're interested in playing a Gangrel who is of uh, the Scandinavian areas, go watch Vikings. It will teach you a, a lot of mostly okay uh, Viking history in a very short amount of time. Um, watch anything that involves a barbarian group attacking another barbarian group. I put, you know, Game of Thrones in our notes. We bring it up at left, right, and Every center, time. Every time. Because <laughs> they really have a lot of archetypes we can just pillage for vampire games. But it doesn't have to be that show. It can be, yeah, it can be any movie or, or, or show or story that involves groups, uh, uh, you know, the, the Mongolian hordes or the Huns or the Dothraki or the Wildlings or the Iron Islanders or pirates. It can be Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, whatever. You, you have a group of outsiders who are on the edges of civilization doing their thing and they keep coming into contact and clashing with said civilization. Any any movie, TV show, book that portrays that, you'll be pretty spot on with. Um, I put Deliverance in here because I feel like that is the epitome of the weekend warrior type. If you want to see how a weekend warrior could possibly make it as a game girl, watch deliverance i mean oh yeah I especially with you know any type of weekend warrior because what that that movie shows like what three different city guys going out into the, the the hills them folk and uh yeah exactly it's like how how are they going to survive in this this wilderness that they know nothing about but they think you know oh we know what we're talking about right guys yeah we got this yeah and it really kind of gets at that survivalist mentality of can you be a city person who survives in a really shitty situation? Absolutely. So, um, any survivalist show on TLC or Nat Geo, they have all sorts. There's, I feel like, four or five of them. You could watch those. It, pretty much any Animal Planet show. Um, I'm just making the argument. Steve Irwin probably would have made a good gang girl. Absolutely. Oh yeah, Absolutely. he could he could talk to any animal. I'm throwing that out there. I mean, I believe that in my heart and soul. And you know, pretty much any documentary on the History Channel about the rise and fall of any civilization. I am partial myself to uh, barbarians, barbarians too, and the Dark Ages. Those are my particular three favorite History Channel ones. I may or may not own those because <laughs> they directly relate to my field of history. But, you know, it, Mongols, Huns, you name it, the Berbers, it, any group that has been one of, one of those groups that has come in screaming in to tear apart some civilization somewhere. Um, yeah, you can. Those are all good. Good places to look. Any any other ones, Arya? I think you nailed a, a lot of great ones. I'm not so good with the pop culture, unfortunately, so I'm so thankful you're really great at it. I, I seem to have a large milieu to pull from. I did grow up with mostly boys 
who like to watch lots of of action films. So like Rambo and Apocalypse Now were vividly in my childhood. So I'm like, oh, those are great gang girl movies. So, <laughs> but in terms of books to read, of course, we say every time with the clans, go read your clan books. Right. Clan books one, clan books revised, gang girl revised. It's actually a really good read. That's right. We, we have Wolves of the Sea. This is that Scandinavian gangrel Viking, you know, if you really want to yes. get in deep with that history, that's the book for you. Yes, go read Wolves of the Sea. Great book. Lore of the Clans. That has a lot on the gangrel. And Labella Sanguinis Three, which is Wolves at the Door. It covers the medieval gangrel clan and the threat they pose to the stability of the of Christian medieval Europe. And this also includes what I alluded to earlier, their long, bloody, nasty war that they had with the these weird mages called the Tremere. So there's a lot in there about the conflicts between the Gangrel and the Tremere. It's a lot of fun to read. Oh, yeah. So. Go Team Pyramid. Go Team Pyramid. So, um... So yeah, those are just some great books to read. Um, if you want to learn uh, more on Beckett, Beckett's in a lot of interesting places. He ha- apparently has a jihad diary. Um, I, I, I'm picking through it for reasons, <laughs> plot reasons. Um, so if you want to see a, a gang girl who's a little bit more of an academic bent, go check out Beckett. Beckett's a cool cat. Absolutely, one of the uh, the the novels that I read with Beckett as like the main character was actually the Gehenna novel from back in the day. I'm reaching way back now, but it, way, way back. back. But it was actually like the first. I mean, I've heard about him, for you know, from reading the book of Nod. But the Gehenna novel was actually like front and center. Holy crap! I've got a front row seat to the you know to Gehenna, the end of the world as we know it, and uh, here it's it the is. End of all things. Yes. So, um, so yeah, those are just those are some great reference points for the gang girl. Awesome. Well, great guys, we made it through another clan. Yay! Yay! And thank you to Ari for joining us and giving us her insights and her two cents on one of her favorite clans. Well, thank you so much for having me. I just I nerded out the entire time. I loved having you, and you're always welcome back, Ari. Maybe we can con you back for a, a little team pyramid talk. I mean, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> well, you know, I always say, I always say, Ari, you're the Tremere after my own heart. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like I snuck into a chanter or anything. No, like not that. at all. You were always there, right? Always. Just this old rug. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, as always, thank you for listening. And remember, our Patreon link is in there because we got to pay for the bandwidth to keep the lights on. Yeah, so check out our Patreon page. Donate if you can. And also give us a review. If you like the show, please, five stars or greater. You know, I think this thing goes to 11 on uh, iTunes. Totally goes to 11. Totally. All right. Well, thank you all, and uh, we'll be talking at you soon. And uh, we hope you enjoy the show. And we'll be talking to you later. Bye. 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 If you would like to reach us after our normal podcast hours, we can be reached on Facebook at Podcast by Night, on Twitter at By Night Podcast, or at our email at podcastbynight at gmail.com. <laughs>